True friends build you up. They don't tear you down. And I want to talk about how that works today. As Proverbs 27.17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. A true friend is going to seek to make you a better person. Today I want us to think about yet another aspect of authentic friendship. And as this proverb tells us, this is exactly what happens. A true friend will build you up. They're going to try to help you become a better person by a true friend encouraging you. A true friend will speak the truth into your life. That's uncomfortable. And a true friend is going to help you become a stronger person. They're going, to do, they're, uh, they're going to help you do what you have to do, and they're going to seek to bring support to you. Each of us has time, times in our life when things happen that we do not want to go through. There are things this week that are going to be happening to some of you that are going to be absolutely difficult, and you'd rather not go through it. There's no way out. And it's at times like th- these that you and I, need a true friend. True friends are going to encourage us and help us do what we have to do in the middle of the mess. And often this doesn't even require us to say anything. It's simply enough that we're there. A little boy was sent out to uh, the store by his mom and he went out on his bicycle and he was gone for a long time. And uh, he came, finally came back home without, without the bread, and uh, his mom said, where were you? I was worried sick. He says, well, Mom, I was on my way to the store, and there's a little boy and his bicycle broke down, and I helped him. And she says, well, you don't know anything about fixing bicycles. He says, I know. I didn't fix his bicycle. She says, well, what'd you do? He says, well, I sat down and cried with him. That's a friend. You know, sometimes you don't have to say a thing. Sometimes you don't have to fix a thing. Sometimes all you need to do is just be there. Sometimes you just sit down and cry with somebody. Encouragement means coming alongside to give courage to another. And this is what a true friend does when we find ourselves going through the things that we don't really want to go through. They, they come alongside and lend us support. A newspaper in England gave a reward for the best definition of friend. Thousands of, of people submitted entries, and the one that won said, a friend is someone who comes when everyone else goes. Think about that. You have just done the most incredibly stupid thing in your entire life. I mean, it just blew up in your face. You knew it was going to blow up. You knew that this was going to provide a disastrous result. You knew it. You could sniff it in the wind. It was coming. And you chose to do it anyway. Me being the prince of stupid things doing the doer of stupid things, I I speak with authority. And yet, through it all, there's that friend that says, I love you through your stupidity. (laughs) 
A true friend encourages you. The second thing, a true friend speaks truth into your life. They're going to help you do what you ought to do. They're going to seek to bring strength to you. Other times in life, life we find ourselves facing these tough times. And we find ourselves facing things that we'd rather not deal with. And it's times like this that a true friend, that authentic person, shows up and shows their true colors. It's times like this that a friend is going to seek to strengthen you and, and so that you might tackle those difficult things in life. Uh, I like history. One of my favorite historians in the history periods is the Civil War. And one of my favorite personalities was Ulysses S. Grant. And Grant was uh, stationed out in Oregon and he uh, was missing his wife, missing his family, and Grant started drinking. And it wasn't that he just drank, he would drink to the point of unconsciousness. His chief of staff was the guy, a guy by the name of John Rawlins, a very unassuming man, uh, a man who, who truly was a man of conviction. And he came and privately got in Grant's face, told him how disappointed he was, told him how, as a, a general of the United States Army, this was behavior that would destroy his career and possibly could destroy his nation. And he and Grant got talking, and, and Grant pledged to him that he would abstain from alcohol. Well, it wasn't too much longer, and he got stationed somewhere else, and he broke his pledge. Rollins was there again, and with great earnestness pleaded with him to, and successively uh, persuaded him to abstain. And he had such an impact on Grant that uh, for the rest of his life he never touched a drop. In Washington, D.C., by the Capitol building stands this imposing figure of General Grant on a horse. Down the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue in Rollins Park is a statue of a very unassuming man, John Rollins, a friend who kept Grant from falling off the wagon. Dealing with the crippling effects of, of abuse in his life was something Grant knew he ought to do, but he couldn't find the strength to do it on his own. John Rollins became that friend to hold him accountable. And I want to know, I do, I want to know when my, when my work stinks, when I'm being hurtful. I want to know when, when I have been caught up in sin, and I'm, I'm not wanting to admit it, but you're seeing it, I want to know when I'm doing something stupid. I want friends to, in love, talk to me. And the first thing when someone is in, involved in this, the first, the first thing out of their mouth was, don't you dare judge me. A friend isn't judging. A friend is one who holds you accountable because they love you. That's what, a, that's what friends do. That's what husbands and wives do. I wish it was more balanced. I wish in our family that it was, <laughs> there was a whole lot more balance of, of me being able to hold my wife accountable. Uh, she doesn't need it as much as I do. But there's still that because of love, we seek to make that person a better person by speaking truth into each other's lives. I think that 
that we expect friends to keep us grounded. I expect my friends to keep me safe from me. <laughs> I can be a dangerous person because of the things that I, that I can do. And, you know, <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been around some of you guys that do stupid things too. You know, hey, here, hold my tea and watch this. You know, it's, 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 we do that, and, and guys can do that more often than not. But Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. There's nothing better than a kiss. I like your kisses, baby girl. <laughs> it's the thing that makes the world right. True love wounds, though. Kisses often lie. And, and this is a great proverb of true friendship and love. No matter what you think, true friends wound each other. And, and sometimes it's not necessarily intentional that, there, that, that there's that wound. Sometimes it's because the truth hurts. You hear that often? No, my pant, my belt's not too tight. My sacroiliac is bad, Mrs. Blackie. She's keeping, trying to keep me in suspenders, and I just refuse to do it. Wounds are kind of the speaking the truth into another's life because we speak that truth and that truth can, can create situations where it makes us feel uncomfortable, where it hurts, rather than the flattering and the kissing and the, and the telling of things that they're really are just lies covering up the truth. False friends can easily show outward affection or attention which cover for selfish hearts. 1970, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Uh, Stephen Stills wrote the song, Love, Love the One You're With. Great, that's my, my 70s guru over here. Um, the chorus went, if you can't be with the one you love, then I can't hear. I got old ears. Then what? Love the one you... If you can't be with the one you love. So, I can't be with the one I love. I'm going to love the one I'm with. Forgetting about the one I love. That is not right, is it, Glenda? No, 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 no. No, it is, it is a, a, a diabolical thing that we have in our society today that this love doesn't count. This love is, is we're going to discount it because this love over here looks better. And if both persons are lying and taking from each other at the same time, they call that great chemistry. Who cares if you send cards, kisses, or say the three words? They're not proof of anything of value. They may very well cover for selfish ambition and take advantage of another person. You know, oh, I, I love you. Who cares if you shake hands and smile a lot and give many compliments, flattering others to obtain their response for mutual 
uh, self-love is just ugly. It's disgusting. But wounds can show true friendship and love. You know, it was, uh, it was uh, flattering words and a kiss that Judas used. It was Joab used these words to kill Amasa. These words were what Absalom used to seduce the men of Israel in sedition against King David. Hatred is often hidden behind lying words and acts of affection. Proverbs 26, 24 through 26 says, People may cover their hatred with pleasant words, but they're deceiving you. They pretend to be kind, but don't believe them, but don't believe them. Their hearts are full of many evils. While their hatred may be concealed by trickery, their wrongdoing will be exposed in public. True friendship and love give, and they give for the benefits of, uh, benefit of others. True love is selfless. Lust is selfish. True love is finding the blessing and giving a nut to another. Since pleasing God and having a good account on the day of judgment are life's greatest goals, this should be the highest measure that we have toward our friends, to make them meet those goals. Do you love your friends by that high of a measure? Do you have any friends that you truly do love that way? It's unconditional. It means no strings attached. In fact, this kind of love isn't the love that we talk about of friendship love, phileo. It is the love that Jesus had when he went to the cross. Agape love. Unconditional, no strings attached. I'm in it for the long haul because I love you. So if you truly love another person, all your actions toward them are going to be governed by the goals, by these, these goals and helping them to please God. So will you correct, rebuke, and warn as necessary? Or are you going to coddle and compromise and overlook faults? Godly love is not going to cover up but sin, but will correct sin. And it will not condone evil, it's going to condemn evil. True friendship is about love, and it's, it really sometimes is too costly for most people. They don't, they don't have the emotional capital for that kind of investment. They believe the devil's lie that friendship and love are seeking pleasure and keeping things comfortable and happy and peaceful in relationships regardless of conduct. Think about that. You are you're involved in A business scam. Nobody will know. After all, you did earn the money. It's, it's really yours anyway. And you start rationalizing. And a friend comes along and calls you out. Wounds you. The words sting. The words cause pain. Those, those words are not comforting at all. And God tells us that this is the kind of friendship that speaks truth into one another's life. 
So are you doing that? Are you speaking truth? Are you, are you willing to speak truth into my life? Not condemning, not judging, but restoring. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 6.1, you who are spiritual, restore that brother or sister who's caught up in sin. So are you in the restoration business? Are you going to speak that truth into my life? Are you going to speak that truth into your children's life? Are you going to speak that truth into your spouse's life, your friend's life? I, I brag about the leaders in this church, my guys. And they're my guys. And I'm their guy. We are separate but equal. And these are, these are men who are men filled with integrity and are not afraid to say, you're wrong. They don't say it very often. But they're not afraid to say it. They're not afraid to speak truth into one another's life and into my life. So if you truly care for a person, you're going to want to help perfect them. James 5, 19 through 20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. If you do not rebuke their sin, Scripture says you hate them. Leviticus 19, 17 says, Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. You know, crazy Uncle Frank. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sins. David and Jonathan were the the greatest friends. They loved each other as their own souls. And when David was hiding from Saul, Jonathan was Saul's son, arose and went to David into the woods and strengthened his hand in God. 1 Samuel 23, 16, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. You know, the bottom just fell out of our world. You've been hit with a double whammy of of something physical in your life. You have been... I've, I've... I've seen this week where wives have had their, their world absolutely rocked by losing their husband of 65 years. In the past five years, he didn't even know her name. Rocked! I would rather have, I would rather have any disease in the world than the disease of dementia. And do you have a David or a Jonathan who will come to you and encourage you to stay strong in God, strong in your faith? That's an authentic friend. What kind of friend do you want? What kind of friend are you? Do you, do you want one who pampers your fancies and, and flatters your vanity? You know, it's... it's uh, I love it when you say, boy, John, you're shrinking away to nothing because it's a whole lot better than, man, you're fat. <laughs> I'm telling you, fat's where it's at. <laughs> but thin is in. And so we want, to, 
we want to have people who are going to be honest with us. One who, do you want a friend who, who enjoys your presence and, and cheers you up with kindness and serves you? That's a friend. So we all are sinners and we need a, we need a real friend who's going to watch, for our, watch out for our soul and correct us when necessary and, and we don't need someone who's whispering those little sweet nothings in our ear. That's deceit. That's deception. And it's a lie and it doesn't do anything. Godly men are anxious to have their faults pointed out. Godly men. And they're very grateful when another will perform that selfless act. I don't know so much about women. I bet you're the same. You just do it differently than us guys do. We kind of stick, <laughs> we stick our finger in a brother's eye <laughs> and, and kind of get down there in the, in the muck and the mire, but we're doing it out of love. And, and I think, ladies, that you probably have a little more tact and a little more grace and a whole lot more mercy. Well, some of you kind of off at the head, but uh, I think that there is, there is a true godly men aren't afraid to do that. So if you have a true friend who's willing to get in your face when you sin, this, this, this person is a treasure. David, anointed to be king of Israel, was thankful for the sincere friendship of Abigail. Now, Abigail was a stone-cold fox that married a slug, Nabal. And she proved her, her respectful rebuke uh, her, her friendship was proven by her respectful rebuke of David. First Samuel 25 and, follow, 25 and verses of following. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord of, God, of the God of Israel who has sent you to meet me today. Because she knew he was out to kill her husband, who deserved it. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present. She fed the guys and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. And God killed Nabal. I mean, he just, he, he zapped him as a week later and, and uh, more husbands and wives ought to pursue this higher degree of affection and companionship. Incidentally, David ended up marrying Abigail because of her, the, the friendship, which I believe is the first, the first uh, step in true love. Uh, I hope you married your best friend. I did. Uh, sometimes I've strained that friendship relationship over the years, but, but I hope that you have, have a, that attitude to pursue this higher degree of affection and companionship. Where can you find godly friends described and implied in this proverb? In a true church of Jesus Christ where the duties and privileges of friendship and, and love are required, taught and promoted, that's where you can find that. You say, well, not in this church. Well, we're not the only church. There's lots of good churches all over the place. You need the body of Christ, though, made up of unique members chosen by God for maximizing your spiritual prosperity. Who loves you the most? 
the one having the most mutual pleasure with you or the one doing the most for you, serving you? If you learn from this proverb, you know it's the one doing the most for you. If you're one of God's elect, Jesus Christ gave his life for you today and he wisely chastens you for every fault in order that you are going to be perfect in holiness. Jesus Christ is the greatest friend we'll ever have. And it goes to a true friend is going to exhort you. A true friend, the third thing, a true friend empowers you. A true friend will help you do what you need to do. They'll seek to bring success to you and often it will involve life change or character development. A true friend will help. Back in the, in the 15th century, in a tiny village near Nuremberg lived a family that had 18 kids. <laughs> they didn't have Netflix back then, so, you know. Uh, <laughs> Dad was a goldsmith by profession. He worked 18 hours a day and barely made a living. He did everything that he could in the neighborhood to make a living for the family. And despite their hopeless condition, two of their kids had a dream. They both wanted to pursue art. And they were very talented. And so dad wasn't able to, to afford that. So the boys sat down and made a deal. One was a little older and he said, tell you what, I will work and stay home and I'll put you through school. When you graduate and get a job, then you're going to work to put me through school. And they agreed. Albert went away to school and became a renowned artist. And he came back. And by the time he graduated, he was beginning to earn considerable fees for his commission work. And so he returns to the village and the family held this festive dinner to celebrate his triumphant graduation and profession. And Albert, to fulfill his ambition, uh, was the, his son, his brother, was sacrificial in working to fulfill Albert's uh, ambition. And his closing words were, And now, Albert, blessed brother of mine, it's your turn. Now you can go to Nuremberg to pursue your dream. It, w- it wasn't Albert, it was Albrecht that he said this. Albrecht said, you can go to work. And, and uh, Albert said softly, No, brother, I cannot go to Nuremberg. It's too late for me. Look at what four years in the mines have done to my hands. The bones in every finger have been smashed at least once and I've been suffering from arthritis. I can't even hold a glass to return your toast. Much less make delicate lines with a pen or a brush. No, brother, for me it's too late. 450 years have passed and Albert Durier's hundreds of masterful portraits hang in all the museums today. One of the most famous is praying hands. You've all seen it. Those are the hands of his brother, hands that were broken in the mines, full of arthritis, praying every day for his brother to succeed. Praying hands. 
It's a tribute to true friendship, a love that's willing to do whatever is required to see another succeed. John, John 15, 13 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for your friends. And is it your desire to have a friend like that? Is it, is it to be that kind of a friend, to seek to relate to others in your life in such a way that you bring that kind of support and strength? If I'm to have friends, I've got to be that kind of friend. I went out to find a friend but could not find one there. I went out to, find, to be a friend <laughs> and friends were everywhere. Who do you know that needs you to be a true friend today, my friends? Someone who needs your support to help them do what they have to do. Someone who needs your strength to help them do what they ought to do. Someone who needs to be helped to succeed by doing what they need to do. Let's pray. Father God, I am... I am just absolutely blown away by the example of friendship that you give time after time in the Bible. And most importantly, most significantly, is the example of Jesus Christ, the ultimate friend who gave his life that I might have new life. Lord, may I be the kind of friend that builds up, that speaks truth into the life of another, that gives hope when there is no hope that gives strength to the weak may I be the kind of friend Lord that, that is, is the one when everybody else bails on them will be there and Father I, I pray that each one of us would have that same passion today help us Lord to be friends to the friendless we know Lord that that people will come to a church not seeking a church that's friendly, but seeking friends. And Father, the greatest display of this is that you laid down, your son laid down his life for us, that we could have eternal life, spending it in heaven with a friend of the friends. If you're here today, my friends, and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, may this be the day that you come to that place and say, I need this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and in the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive my sin and come into my life and save me from my sin. And I believe when you died on the cross, you died in my place. That I might live forever with you in heaven. And I thank you for that. In your son's name, amen.